Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. We are back with another episode of the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist and Host. Today we are joined by Dr. Justin Dupin, who is a board-certified urologist and an outspoken advocate for promoting accurate medical and sexual health information. Dr. Dubin, thank you very much for joining us today. Mark, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on. Big fan of your podcast. You guys um, are doing uh, really important stuff, providing accurate information when in a world that doesn't have much. And that's what we're really going to talk about today. Yeah. So we're actually going to dive into that topic. And for anybody listening, I just want to make mention that Dr. Dubin um, practices um, in Florida. So if any of our listeners are in Florida, are looking for a top-notch, high-qualified urologist, reach out to uh, Dr. Dubin um, or his office staff. Uh, but today's topic that we want to dive into is erectile dysfunction. Should I Google that? And we really want to look at is and understand more about is the you know, impact of you know internet information, search, um, and how patients can and should interact with that information. So to get us started, Dr. Dubin, you know, I've noticed a phenomenon, and again, I'm not that old, uh, but I'm also not you out. So <laughs> I've noticed a phenomenon of hearing use. I'm hearing it from more and more patients about a shift in the medical system where I think once upon a time doctors were really viewed as experts. Um, and medicine was like a very top-down type of process where um, you came to the doctor, you had said, I mean, ailment, but said pain, said, and the doctor basically was telling you what to do. Very instructive. They filled out the script. You went, you filled it, you took the medication, and the doctor really made the call. Surgery, no surgery. And it seems like, um, you know, certainly in the past number of years, there's been more to a, like, more of a shift towards joint decision making. Um, I don't know if this is a trend that you've noticed as well, but I would love to get your take on that. Um, and whether you know, we think this is a good thing for patients or we think that this is creating challenges for patients. It's a really great question and a really important point to, to make and a good observation. Well, you know, I think in general, you're right. There has been this really shift in medicine, a, a big paradigm shift in all healthcare, where we're talking, the key word here is shared decision making with most of, of decisions that we make. And you know, I think over the years that has become a, an option for several reasons. One, we have a whole different plethora of, of wonderful options often to treat someone for the same disease or the same problem. Um, and also we understand that, you know, one solution may not be the best fix for that, per, that person. So I think in general, um, having all these options is a good thing. And listen, Listeners to your podcast, anyone who's gone to the doctor for erectile dysfunction really knows that at this point, there is this whole buffet of treatment options that you have, and um, some of which may be good for you, and some of which, which may not be good for you. Can they all potentially treat your erections? For some people, yes. But what's the best option for you? That's the decision to have between you and your doctor. Um, and so 
I think, you know, having that option often, uh, you know, with a patient when we're talking specifically about erectile dysfunction is a good thing because, you know, you're not just given an injection. You're not just given a surgery. You're not just given a pill. Um, you're not just given a vacuum erection device. You're having a conversation to see, you know, what you're interested in, what maybe your partner may be interested in, and you're working with your your physician to make sure that, you know, you're on the same page and that there's some synergy here. Um, of course, there there is limits to this, right? You know, um, you know, being online, choosing things online that have, you know, God knows what going on with them that are off, offered online to just purchase, you know, it's important to understand that these what these products are, what the risks are, what the benefits are, how they can be used, if used at all, for, for treating you. Um, but I think in general, when you're talking about this topic, you can see, you know, your urologist really as your guide in this journey in treating ED, not your dictator, pun intended. There. <laughs> I appreciate that pun. Now, to that end, and, and you know, maybe one day, um, if it doesn't already exist, a sociologist will be able to really kind of look at if the internet has played a role in that shift in the medical system, or if that shift in the medical system has, um, you know, facilitated increased reliance on the internet. Um, but I know even, even for myself, um, you know, a lot of times if I'm feeling something or I'm experiencing something, uh, Google is the second opinion, but a lot of times it's the first opinion, um, in terms of what might be going on. Now, I don't know if much could be done about that. I think it probably is a reality of the world that we are living in and are going to continue to live in. But as a doctor, I want to get your opinion about Dr. Google. Yeah. So listen, Dr. Google is here to stay. Dr. Google is not going anywhere. Um, in fact, you know, in 2022, uh, we're, we're, we'll talk about social media as well in a bit, but you know, 80% of US adults use at least one social media site, 72% of adults use the internet for researching their health information. And when we're talking in general about all these things, you know, Dr. Google is a problem, but also Dr. TikTok, Dr. YouTube, Dr. Instagram. You know, there was a study that came out showing that before talking to their healthcare providers, 33% of Americans will go to YouTube for medical advice. 20% will go to TikTok to solve their health issues. 37% of people, Americans turn to influencers for health advice because they felt that they were more accessible than their their doctors. And the concerning thing is 50% of Americans have purchased health products after seeing an ad on social media. So, you know, this is obviously a real issue, um, but, it, but it goes beyond the social media and stuff. You know, the, the problem becomes like when you're online, it can be incredibly, incredibly overwhelming. Um, what what is a good website? What am I looking at? You know, who am I looking at? And sometimes you may turn to you know these these media articles, um, you know, that that describe studies that have come out and ever and summarize them. And you know what's concerning is that you also have to be aware that there is sensationalism in journalism, and and we've all become slaves to the click. That's not just social media, but that's online in general. You know, there's always a headline grabber. This causes two times increased death. This is going to, you know, I still don't know if if eating eggs is good or not for my body because I keep seeing an article. One article says eating too many eggs is going to kill you. The other one says this is why you should eat too many eggs. 
And there's actually data supporting this idea of, of sensationalism on media articles online. There was a systematic review that looked at uh, media articles that actually um, described journal articles. And they did a systematic review. They they looked at all these media articles and they saw and they compared it to the actual journal or journal articles. And the results were actually concerning. You know, they found out that 48% of media articles used language that was too strong to describe study conclusions. So basically, these media articles describing studies were sensationalized. They weren't attention grabbers. Their headlines meant... Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's concerning. And even worse... That same study found that 58% of the media articles, over 50%, over half, um, inaccurately reported the study results, questions, interventions, and populations of the studies. So they were sensationalizing the studies, and they weren't even describing what was going on in the studies, right? So, you know, the bottom line here is really the internet can be confusing, it can be misleading, and potentially dangerous um, if you're placing your health and your trust in it. Um, I think it's okay because we're all humans and it's a nature thing, like you said, to go online and do some research. But you also have to give some context here of what the goal of the internet really is. And it's such such an important thing. So, Dr. Newman, you are a urologist, and we do talk a lot on this podcast about uh, erectile dysfunction, other sexual dysfunction. So what are some of the common misconceptions, myths, and whatnot that you've come across about erectile dysfunction um, online? So I think one of the most common ones is that there, there's a couple. Um, one of the real common ones is this idea of, you know, masturbation, ejaculation, causing erectile dysfunction. You know, this goes into this whole semen retention idea, which is completely erroneous. It's all false. There's no data supporting semen retention. It's a very big uh, discussion that is always on online and on social media. Um, I think that's one of them. You know, ejaculation does not lower your testosterone, doesn't cause ED, you know, unless you just ejaculate and you're trying to go again. That's called a period. Me- that's a, that's a- correct. And, and actually, that was the next thing I was going to say. That's a, a, a t- common misconception that I see in my office that I also see online is this idea of guys coming in or complaining online of having, you know, erectile dysfunction. And when you ask them about it, they say, yeah, I just, I, I can't go two or three rounds anymore, it's taking me longer. And as as you said exactly, that this is a refractory period. This has nothing to do with your erections. That is not erectile dysfunction. Um, and then, you know, popular things online is what you, what you see in all this stuff. You know, people pitch certain foods, certain products that they say are going to give you better erections. Now, can this stuff really do that? The data is not really strong. When you look at any dietary supplement or anything like that, there is some general data on some supplements, but you know, a lot of this is like, you should have this fruit cocktail or eat these things. Like in general, it's not going to work. You know, I mean, that is not going to be the thing that's going to make or break your erections. Can it maybe optimize your erection? Theoretically, sure. But if you're, you know, an obese guy with diabetes who is not taking care of himself, I don't think eating watermelon is going to make you better. Or I don't think, you know, taking this supplement, you know, L-arginine or, you know, citrulline or, or is going to make you better because everything else is floridly going up, going wrong. So it's all, there's all context to these things. And that's why it's important, like, if you're interested in doing these things to talk with your doctor, because we've already spoken about this idea that 
50% of Americans have bought something for healthcare issues. And when you're talking about erectile dysfunction, we're talking about guys, you know, who definitely don't want to talk to anyone about it. So they'll buy a product online and they'll try and fix it. It's also, it's also distressing. Um, and I, I know that, again, it's the, there's the shame around the experience of erectile dysfunction, but it's also a, a it's an anxiety provoking experience, certainly if it's sustained. And I think people are more susceptible to read into what they want to believe is a solution um, with that information. It's very difficult to parse through. Like you said, there's so many supplements. I have a running list of what's marketed out there. And again, maybe with anecdotal evidence for certain people, but on the whole, you're saying the data doesn't really support this. These are some of the myths that are out there. Some of it also designed to sell products. Correct. That's and that's a big point. I, I think you know when when people go, especially guys, go online and they try to fix or research their erections. Uh, I call this the IKEA problem. I like to think about it this way: where you know we're guys. Most guys have this idea that they're going to fix their problems, right? They are stoic. They're going to get the the problem resolved themselves. They go online just like they were, and they're going to try and fix it. Like they're you know, I buy an IKEA furniture. I'm not looking at the directions. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try and figure this thing out by myself and I'm going to struggle and it's not going to work. And then I'm just going to say, okay, it's, it's done and it's crooked and it's not working. And everyone comes in and they go, Hey, look, what's going on with your furniture there? I'm like, it's fine. I did it. It's totally fine. And then you eventually realize you had the directions there the whole time. You probably should have used the directions. And now all of a sudden, you know, the Ikea furniture looks a lot better. That's what guys do with a lot of their problems especially when we're talking about erectile dysfunction. So they'll go online, they'll buy the products, figure out it's not working, or at best, you know, at best in many of these situations, you buy something and it costs money. At worst, you're buying something and it harms your health. It's, it's costing money and it's delaying your care to get the care that you need that you can be helped with for erectile dysfunction. Now, Dr. Dubin, are there any specific red flags or warning signs that people should be aware of when it comes to uh, misinformation about erectile dysfunction. I know you mentioned some of the myths, uh, but a lot of these articles and um, whatnot are cloaked in ways that make it seem very legitimate. Is there any way to parse out and to tell what is a legitimate source and what is not a legitimate? To be honest with you, it, it can be very difficult. Um, and, you know, I, it's very interesting because I think both you and I have a, a keen eye for these things because we are so specialized in this field. But, you know, the layman may not have that idea. What I actually really enjoy is I'm very fortunate. My grandfather lives in Boca Raton. You know, just like all the other grandfathers, they uh, are on Facebook and they get all these advertisements. And he frequently sends me advertisements that he sees online for prostate problems, erection problems, and he knows that I like to call it on them. So um, it's one of those things where he's like, check this one out. And a lot of the things I see for red flags, especially if you're an older person or, who, or just in general, is they give you this really large spiel. There's usually fra uh, the big, big lines I, li I usually hear is like, this is what your doctors don't want you to know because then they'd be out of business. Like that's a very common line. Like that's not true. Everyone has erectile dysfunction. I'm sure I'd be in plenty of business. Okay. Uh, um, so that's a key line. I think another flag is, you know, 
for most part, a lot of it is like, th- I had like some random dude, I had this problem. I had erectile dysfunction. If you follow the same five steps that I did, then you're going to be fine too. And then, you know, they give you some spiel and at the end they push you a product or they push you some lifestyle thing that's not really realistic. It's a time, um, or- it's a timeshare salesperson of the erectile dysfunction or sexual base. <laughs> Right. And they, they've got the one solution. Um, and I really, I appreciate you saying that because when people ask like me from, from the, from the psychogenic, the psychological side of things that I say, it's complex. And anybody who tells you that in three easy steps or five easy steps, they're going to show you how to, you know, fully eliminate anything that could possibly ever cause you erectile dysfunction until you're 94, like run the other way because absolutely, this is not how this works. Uh, these are these are definitely some some really important signs, um, you know, that that people should be aware of. Now, without the sales pitch, just a straight article, somebody comes across something, it looks legitimate, good graphics, it really looks like a nice article. Is there any you know way that somebody can determine the accuracy and the reliability um, of an article not attached to any product or or service? Well, I think. It can be very hard. It can be even hard for people like you and I who have who read this stuff all day in and out. And I've even caught myself taking screenshots or links to different articles and saying, is this real to my colleagues? Because it can be that convoluted. It can be that confusing. In general, I think if you stick to some of the, you know, data-driven websites, you know, there's the Urology Care Foundation, there's the smsna.org. These are, you know, national um, data-driven websites run by healthcare providers that we know provide good, accurate information. But if you're not on those sites, I think there's a couple of things that you can do to try to kind of parse out whether the information is is good or not. And I think what I want you to do is when you're reading or at least looking uh, for questions about erectile dysfunction, trying to learn something, I want you to start asking these questions. I want you to ask, you know, what am I searching for? And what is my goal of looking online? Is it to learn about the issue? Is it to find a treatment? Is it to find a healthcare provider? You know, come up with a goal before you get lost in the sauce, I think. You know, two, who is the person providing the information or what is the website? What is the company? You know, is this person a writer that is a writer? Are they a doctor? Are they a healthcare professional? Are they a, you know, a sex therapist or, you know, are they just some random dude who's, or some random company behind the topic? You know, are they an institution? You want to understand that. Why? Because what's the goal of the person? That's your next question, right? You know, are they there to actually inform you and educate you? Are they pushing a specific product or a specific treatment to sell? You know, do they clearly have some kind of agenda going on on that website? And, you know, the last question is like, what am I going to do next? Should I talk with my doctor before doing anything with this information? Am I going to do more research? Uh, if I know someone else who's maybe used this product or should I talk with a friend or a family member before purchasing it? Because some of this stuff, as you and I know, and I'm not going to name products, can be very expensive, like in the hundreds of hundreds of dollars to treat erectile dysfunction. We know that those products don't work. Um, so, you know, these are the kinds of questions you have to go into. I think if you just dive in blindly and don't, you know, lift your head out and take it out of the woods, you can really get lost in the sauce and and kind of buy something or do something that you may regret later. Okay. 
Now, Dr. Dubin, I'd love to get your opinion on the following. One of the challenges that I've seen on the internet is that even on what I would consider to be at least decently trustworthy platforms, you sometimes find multiple articles on a topic and they point in different directions. And it does become very confusing, even for myself, to kind of parse out, like, what are the conclusions from the data? What makes it even more complex is that oftentimes they're quoting the same study with each of different <laughs> conclusions, uh, which really kind of just adds layers to, to the confusion. So I, I wanted to get your opinion about that, because as a professional, it's something I struggle with. I can only imagine what it is like from a patient's perspective. Yeah, you're 100% right. And, and you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You can take any data um, that you want and manipulate it for your cause. And that's just the way that we are in the year 2023. Um, in a topic like erectile dysfunction that has like not even hundreds, of, probably like millions of articles published at this point on it, you're always going to find contrarian data, right? There, You know, I've had patients where I come in, I tell them something, they say, well, here's this article. Um, that says the opposite of exactly what you just told me. And I said, listen, at, this study is flawed. I can read this to you, but you know, you know, it's hard to parse out the, the accurate information or sometimes it's hard even to the trained eye to parse out a good study from a bad study. Uh, we recently saw this stuff coming out with, you know, at the time of this, the Traverse trial, I know we're talking about erectile dysfunction, we're talking about testosterone quickly, um, just came out and it shows that there's no risk, increased risk of cardiovascular disease in um, patients who are therapeutically treated for testosterone. For years, we thought, or based off of a very, very, very badly done study that was published in a major journal, that testosterone causes cardiovascular risk. And this paper just came out showing the complete opposite. So, you know, we also have to understand that we're all human and data changes and numbers change. And a paper from 2005 that had that was a seminal paper at the time that was a big paper may have completely just been overturned in 2023. So I think you have to understand as a patient that data evolves. We're all human, included, you know, and the numbers are not human, but the way we manipulate the numbers and the way we do the numbers are created by humans. So nothing's perfect, um, but you need the professional who's done the training um, to do the understanding of it and say, this is what in general the data suggests, you know, and there's different treatment options for different people based off of data that we know may be better for certain people. So once again, it kind of goes back to that first question, what might be right for you or what maybe the data says for a certain person may not actually be you. You may not fit into that category. It's much more complicated than just A is always B, B, you know, B is always C. It's, you know, A can sometimes be C, D, E, and F, depending on G. So, you know, if you understand that, you know, there there's multiple directions for a reason. It's because people are complicated. Humans are complicated. Medicine's complicated. And if it was just black and white, I think people would be a lot less happy. Um, because there would be less options for treatment and we would just be, be giving you an answer and that wouldn't be good. So I think in general, it's one of those things where, yeah, it can be overwhelming, but, you know, talk to your healthcare provider. And, and the- I think that's that, that Dr. Bassi has to be the take home message, Willis, which is like patients are going to do their own research and, 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 you know, to a certain extent, like 
Sounds like they can and they should. But having that trusting relationship with their provider to bring it back to them and say, hey, you know, I came across this. And like I, I tell the people that I work with, like, I haven't read everything that's out there. Right. I, I know, you know, a lot of the main stuff, but but I, I can't possibly keep on top of it. Bring it to me. I'll take a look at our research. I'll let you know if it changes the way that I think. Or like I'll let you know why I don't think, you know, this is appropriate for you. But it's that having that collaborative relationship to be able to bring that data as you find it on the internet to bring it back to your provider. That seems to be like what's really, really important in all of this. Is that is that accurate? I think that's 100% accurate. You should have a physician who is happy to take any questions that you have, to take any articles that you send them and say, this is good, this is bad, this is what I think. Because honestly, I love that because I learn from my patients just as much as they learn from me in those situations because I want to know what they're thinking, how they're thinking, and how I can address these concerns in the future so that there is no confusion, right? Um, and I know how to address certain articles or address certain topics. And, you know, the, everything's evolving. There's a new topic every day that comes up, especially for erectile dysfunction. So, you know, it's something that it keeps us on top of our game. And, and it and I mean, we're, like you said, there's so many articles. I can only read so many articles a day, a week. We're all human. We, have, you know, that's just the way. All right, Dr. Newman, thank you very much. This has been fantastic uh, just to kind of shed some light on just the complexity uh, that I think patients face, and in particular around sexual dysfunction because of the shame, because of the stigma. The internet is usually like source number one, and if not number one, it certainly is number two, and trying to really get to the bottom of all this. Helping patients be able to sort through this is really, really key. So I thank you very much for joining us on this episode, and I look forward to hosting you on an episode in the not-too-distant future on the impacts of social media. So once again, thank you again. I look forward to getting this out to our listeners. Thank you so much. This was great. I had a good time. Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit ErectionIQ.com. That's ErectionIQ.com.